0: Welcome to the Brown County Hour.
1: Coming to you from the legendary Hills of Brown.
0: Where the plum purple haze,
2: the one nature herself drapes in the hills and hollers, inspires
0: local characters, artists, and nature lovers.
1: It's as though the hills themselves conspired to create a beauty and a culture in the heart of Indiana
0: sit for a spell and hear the music
1: the tall tales
3: the true stories
1: and the current goings on
0: brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter
2: and swim buck naked in the summer
3: Welcome to episode seven of the Brown County Hour, coming to you from downtown Nashville, Indiana. I'm Lee Edgren.
2: And I'm Keith Kelly. We are your hosts for the show, which is about the varied musical influences in Brown County.
3: In a few moments, we will have visits with Brown County musician Tamara Lane and one of our favorite sons, John Kay, who is director of Traditional Arts Indiana. Both will demonstrate some of the older instruments they play, and John shares some great stories about early musicians.
2: We'll hear about Bill Monroe, the father of bluegrass, and his ties to Brown County, and listen in at a little reunion of the String Bean String Band, a great Brown County band started here in the 70s, then hear from a younger musician, Kenan Rainwater, about his band, the Indiana Boys.
3: And Gunther Flum weighs in on music, too.
2: Late summer, there is plenty of natural music here, so we've included a piece about buzzing
3: bees. Let's start out with some history.
4: The first music a child has heard is the beating of its mother's heart, and the native people beat the drum in tune with Mother Earth. Music of the people is the sounds of nature, spring thunder and rain, or human thunder, tears or hope, full-throated or whispered, also through instruments, spoons or sticks, fiddles, singing. The music of Brown County is folk, with all of us being the people, not just a time period or a narrow perception that there is only one Brown County music. Music that makes you dance or sway and puts words to our moods is Brown County music, whether it is square dancing, boot scootin', playing by the fire or on the front porch, or Marie Goss' grand piano echoing north of Nashville. Listen to the upcoming sounds and get dancing.
3: Of course, the early instruments gradually became more sophisticated. Susan Showalter did some research about possible early Brown County musical instruments and who made and played them.
2: She found that the Smithsonian Institute had even made recordings of local fiddler Lewis Henderson, who lived near Stonehead, and singer-songwriter Pat Webb, among others.
0: I'm Brown County artist Susan Showwalder, and I'm visiting with Tamara Lane. She's quite an accomplished musician. She has a company called Celtica. She plays a, sort of a twist on Irish music. She can explain that in just a minute. She has had quite a career, and she's played for international dignitaries, including Mikhail Gorbachev, former president of Russia, and several other dignitaries here in the United States and all over Indiana. Welcome to the show, Tamara. Nice Thank to you. have you
5: here today. Thank you. It's nice. to be here.
0: Yeah. Tell us how you got involved with this kind of music, and exactly how would you
5: describe it? In college at Taylor University, I minored in piano music, but we had to do a history timeline in our studies, and I kind of got stuck in that Renaissance medieval period. I loved the modes, the liturgical modes and such. And then after college, I worked out and made music for a while, and I discovered that Celtic music has uh, some of the same modes that the Renaissance period, the medieval period has. So that's kind of how I discovered Celtic music, and just kind of went on into it, it's become really my thing. Celtica is the name of my group, and Tim Dooley plays with me. We're a duo right now, and then we have guest musicians who perform with us, and our CD right now, we have guest musician Don Blair, who's played the flutes and whistles and such.
0: I've been doing some research for this show. And the theme is Brown County, early influences of music here. And I noticed that some of the people in our history here locally had c- come here from North Carolina and also Kentucky and Tennessee. We had kind of a Scotch-Irish influence. And I wondered if you could tell us which instruments that you play, you play such a variety, might have been played, say, back in the early 1800s here in Brown County. Just a guess if you don't know for sure.
5: Probably all of the instruments I play, except for piano, would have been at that time period. I'm not sure what would have been here specifically, but the hammer dulcimer is an ancient instrument, and they think it has a Persian origin. And here in the western part of the world, it's mostly associated with the Celtic and maybe Renaissance and Appalachian music. So that very well could have been here. The bode psaltery is, as far as I understand, a 10th century English instrument. Uh, There may be some discrepancy there, but that's what I understand. It could have been here, because it it was something that is associated with the Appalachian music, I think. Right, I'm I'm guessing
0: that it's a pretty good bet that that was played here. Very well could
5: have been. The piece with the bode psaltery instrument, can you tell us a little bit about that? That's the Roving Galloway Boy, and it's an Irish piece. It's a traditional piece. Let's listen to Thank you so much. And The field organ, I have a little field organ that folds down into itself, latches, has a handle, and is about the size of an old PV amp. It was taken out into fields for military celebrations and evangelistic services back in the 1800s, early 1900s. And so it very well could have been here during that time period. It's a little pump organ. And it sounds like a harmonium or an accordion it has bellows. And uh, so that very well could have been here. I have a hurdy-gurdy that may not have been here. It's more associated with French music than Scottish music. We did have some people named Bow Camp that I believe
0: were probably of French descent that played even out at the state park. I even remember that from my early childhood in the 50s and 60s. They played at the state park at square dances and all. Uh, Doc, Bow Camp, and Hip, they were actually my neighbors here in Brown County. So maybe they used something like that. I was listening to your wonderful CD and I Notice the second piece has hurdy-gurdy on it, I believe. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that particular piece, and we'll listen to it.
5: Scarborough Fair is actually an English tune that would have gone back to, I think, the early 1500s. Well, let's take a listen right now.
0: really wonderful. It sounds old to me, like it could have been recorded back in the
5: 1800s. The hurdy-gurdy sounds like a bagpipe, but there are no bellows. It's strings that are rotating through with the crank, and then they're bowed with a wheel instead of bowed with uh, a regular bow, Mm -hmm. so it's a forerunner to the violin. What else do you have? Well, I have a Scottish harp that I'm working on, and I've had different people play with me with penny whistles, different flutes, of course, those very well could have been here.
0: One of our more famous early residents was Frank Taggart and he was in a, several wars and was in the band, so I'm guessing maybe he played the penny whistle or some sort of flute or something. Mm -hmm. I was also wondering if you think that the field organ was probably used in the Civil War. Very possibly. Maybe he even played the organ. Mm -hmm. It's been said that he had some of the larger homes in downtown Nashville, one of which is now where Calvin Place is and one of which is where the Hobnob Restaurant is, and that there were music gatherings there in the 1800s.
5: And then there's former to the piano, and so there would have been kind of pre-modern pianos here in the county. I know there's one up at T.C. Steele.
0: Thanks again for coming in and
3: joining us. This is Susan Showalter and talking to Tamerlane. This hot summer has made the insects here thrive. We enjoy their music, even though we think of them as pests. Kaylee Witt learned something as she talked with John Mills and Tony Goddan about one insect we all depend on.
6: Walking with Nature is talking about bees and beekeeping with John Mills, a local potter who has kept bees for over 40 years. Good evening, John.
7: Hi. Glad to be here.
6: So how does a bee colony grow?
7: The queen is a female. It's a complete female and lays eggs down in the bottoms of the wax cells in the comb. And the standard size of cell will raise a worker bee. That goes out and gathers nectar and pollen and takes care of the brood that's growing in the cells of the comb. The slightly larger cell causes a queen to lay an unfertilized egg, which becomes a male. Their sexuality is different from ours. An unfertilized egg becomes a male. A fertilized egg becomes a worker or, if fed properly, a queen takes three weeks to four weeks for these bees to go from an egg to emerging and starting to work. The queen takes a little bit longer, and it grows in an entirely different-shaped cell. From the flowers, they collect nectar, which, of course, is the carbohydrate food for everybody in the hive. They collect pollen Pack it into little sacks on their sides of their hind knees, and bring it back. And that's the carbohydrate and protein of their food. In the course of spreading it around, sharing it within the hive, they also pass around pheromones generated by the queen predominantly, which kind of keeps order in the hive everybody knows she's there and all as well because they taste her pheromone as the food is exchanged among all the bees in the hive
6: what sort of plants do they feed on
7: black locust trees dandelions are good white and yellow sweet clover the sumacs are good They do pretty well on goldenrod and on asters. That's usually the last thing of the season. When red maple blooms, for me, that's when spring begins because I can hear the bees up in the tree working that. They're so excited. They haven't had anything for so long, and now here it is.
6: What do bees do over the winter?
7: Ah, they huddle together. They don't go dormant. They don't hibernate. They just cluster together, they kind of shiver. You know, when we shiver, that's to try to warm us up. And they do that while clumped together in a group, and they can maintain a temperature that'll allow them to survive through the winter that way.
6: So the bees live off of their own honey over the winter?
7: That's that's what it's for. It's winter food for the bees.
6: So a beekeeper has to be careful not to take too much honey?
7: That's right. You leave. I don't know 50 to 80 pounds per colony
6: what is the health of bees in brown county
7: we're not having the colony collapse disorder that you hear so much about in the news media because we aren't involved in the migratory beekeeping and they're getting dragged across the country on flatbed semis and fed high fructose corn syrup and soy patties put it all together with a few infection type things that get mixed in and there's a lot of stress there
6: so some of it is actually the farming practices that are causing some of the collapse
7: yeah these intensive areas of thousands of acres with only one crop
6: how do you get started keeping bees
7: now it's easier because there's a beekeeping club locally
6: to learn more about the beekeeping support group I talked with Tony Godan, a beekeeper in Brown County for over 25 years. And when did you start the support group?
8: We started the support group about three years ago. Another beekeeper, local beekeeper, and I, his name is Mark Partridge. And he said, you know, we've got statewide organizations, but we don't have a local organization in Brown County. There are other local organizations all over the state, but we don't have one. So I said, that's a wonderful idea, Mark. Why don't we do that? And what do you call this group? We call ourselves the Ten O'Clock Bee Line Beekeeping Society. Of course, the Ten O'Clock refers to the Ten O'Clock Treaty Line that's so famous here in Indiana. Anyone can be a part of this group. We have families, we have, of course, adults, we have youngsters. We keep up with what's going on with local beekeepers. Our club includes members primarily from Brown County and surrounding counties. And at almost every meeting, we'll have one or two newbies, we call them. These are new people who want to start up hives. In addition to just providing information to people, we also will help people get started. We will act as mentors. We come out and help them set up a hive. Just to give you a little more information, many people are not aware of this. Honeybees are not aggressive to people unless you approach their hive and you do something to harm their hives. The other thing that people should know is that at least 40 to 60% of vegetable food that we eat in the United States depends upon bees and their relatives for production. So fruits and nuts and uh, citrus, all of these kinds of vegetable foods are totally dependent upon insects like honeybees. So if the honeybee population is wiped out, we could still survive, but we'd be eating lots of bread. So honeybees are not just important for honey. Their real importance is in pollination of our food crops.
6: To learn more about the 10 O'Clock Bee Line Beekeeping Society, contact Tony Godan at 765-318-0525 or Mark Partridge at 812-988-9390.
3: For the Brown County Hour, this is
6: Kaylee Witt, walking with nature.
3: Let's pause for station identification and listen to the Smithsonian recording of Lewis Henderson playing Turkey in the Straw on his cigar box fiddle.
2: Welcome back to Episode 7 of Brown County Hour about musical influences in Brown County.
3: During June events sponsored by Experience the Arts in Brown County, Pam Rader and Susan Showalter attended a wonderful lecture given by folklorist John Kay. This edited recording, made on location at the Brown County Art Guild, gives more insight into how music evolved here.
9: Play a little song I wrote called Richard's Wake. in some old collections. And people would make up their own words to it. And they would change uh, from time to time. gotten and he had tucked his pistols on the inside of his coveralls. And he went to hit a high note and that pistol jumped right out of his pocket. <laughs> it just kind of hung there in midair for about five minutes. Everybody stopped and they looked at it, And it fell and discharged. Everyone started checking themselves for any major creases or perforations, but everybody was okay. But about that time, Uh, a mother started pushing her way through the crowded dance floor over to a cardboard box which was up against one wall and straight through the middle of that cardboard box was a bullet hole. She reached in that cardboard box and she pulled out a quiet little baby. Well, the baby was okay.
10: (laughs) I can tell you that with absolute
9: certainty, because that little vignette of a story was told to me by the man who just happened to have been all those years ago before, the baby in the box. And I happen to know for a fact that Jack Well would never tell a lie about such a thing. He's kind of a local fixture was. And he happened to have been the baby in the box all those years.
2: Fortunately, not all our summer insects are as beneficial as bees. Some are seldom seen, but not soon forgotten, once encountered. Chiggers.
11: A baboon in a dark put an arrow in his flank. I tear up on my credit card, say humbug to the bank. I wanna waltz around in the tall grass, a bone arrow in my hand. Where well, you can tell my boss that a sick us off. I'll a living off the lane. I wanna live in the moment. This moment's why I'm here. Hello, for
12: the Brown County Hour. In this special day. nature segment, we're taking you live out into the field in search of one of Brown County's most notorious human predators. Just what are we looking for out here? Chiggers. What? I've never seen a chigger. How are we going to find one? Don't worry, I think they will find us. Well, what exactly is a chigger? Well, a chigger is a type of harvest mite. They are arachnids, about 1 20th of an inch long and bright red in their adult form. But don't worry, if you see one of these red bugs, the adults are harmless to people. It's the little ones that get you. I think I'm getting one right now. Excellent. When a chigger is born, it hatches out of its egg and is about 1 120th of an inch long. At this stage, a chigger has only six legs. This is amazing because it's an arachnid. It's not until a chigger bites somebody that it actually gets all eight legs. Like a rite of passage for chiggers. Right. These little bugs, they'll crawl up a pant leg or something until they find a choice part to dig into, usually somewhere you can't avoid itching. So they actually burrow into your skin? Well, what happens is they find a pore or a hair follicle where they can pierce the skin and inject a digestive enzyme that liquefies the skin around the area. As you can imagine, this is really irritating and they can stay feeding on you for up to four days. He so what can we do? Put nail polish on them? Well, you could. I mean, that will probably kill the bug. No but way. So, so, soap and water, <laughs> alcohol and peroxide, or you could expose them to 140 degrees Fahrenheit. Personally, I think the peroxide works the best.
10: <laughs>
13: yep. So
12: adult chiggers winter over just under the soil. And when the temperature gets above 60 degrees Fahrenheit, they can start laying eggs. Mostly in moist, marshy areas. Or, I think, under the gravel in your driveway. Man, there's chiggers everywhere up here. Let's go for a swim. Hey, sounds good. Well, this has been Walking with Chiggers. Hi, I'm Well, I got shorts on.
11: So we did actually find the chigger. Yeah. and, and, went out the field. and it was tiny. And sort
14: of orange.
12: Yeah, it was. It was orange, it was pretty red actually. Uh huh. Really fast. It was scurrying around my hand like. Uh-huh. Really get from like toe to waistline about 30 seconds.
9: Doc camp when I was a kid. He used to live right next door to the Pikes Peak Church where I grew up going to church. And, uh, and he would uh, come and sit on the back pew. And I remember one, uh, one Saturday, uh, Sunday he was telling me about the old dances that they used to have. But uh, he said, if you really want to hear about old time music, you need to go over past the Stonehead and talk to Lewis Henderson. Lewis Henderson was a little bit older and uh was a great old time fiddler and I went down to where he lived. Sat down next to him with my tape recorder. I was probably 17, 18 years old. And I said, Mr. Henderson, do you mind if I uh, ask you some questions and record it? And he said that was fine, so I turned on my tape recorder and I started asking him about playing old-time music. He's, that was about 45 minutes in, and I said, Well, I'll, I'll be going, Mr. Henderson. I reached over to turn off my tape recorder, and uh, he said, Bill Monroe asked me to go on the road with him. Now, I had been there like 30 or 40 minutes, and he had never mentioned Bill Monroe before, the father of bluegrass music. And I said, What did you say, Mr. Henderson? What, what, what was that? Bill Monroe wanted me to get a group of square dancers and go on up to Chicago with them, and uh, and perform. That would have been probably in the thirties or forties, uh, when uh, when this was uh, a lot of old time music was catching on. And I looked at Mister Henderson. and I said, Mister Henderson, why didn't you go? You could be rich or you could be famous. And he just looked at me real serious, and he said, Who'd milk the cows? <laughs> This is an old guitar I bought at a pawn shop, and I saw one almost exactly like it in an old Frank Kuhnberger photograph of Doc and Diner uh, Weissel that used to play music here, and so I, of course, had to buy it. This is a song that uh, is in the archives of traditional music over in Bloomington, and it was recorded in the spring of 1938. Basically, a folk song collector named Alan Lomax, the best known folklorist of all time literally recorded thousands of songs and and probably is one of the people who can be credited with documenting America's diverse musical heritage and this is a song that he collected from an old fiddler named John Collier sang this song John Collier grew up uh, over in the Elkinsville area of Brown County and uh, he recorded this song in Bloomington and went through Brown County recorded a few more songs from this guy's uncle Marion Sobson. But John Collier, he asked him, uh, where'd you get the song? He said, I learned it from my uncle. He says, how do you know you learned it from your uncle? He goes, because he was whipping me while he was singing
10: it.
9: (laughs) He goes, what was he whipping you with? Switch? No, his big back hand. He probably wonder whipping them and singing at the same time you don't think about that too much because it kind of makes the words for the song kind of explain why it's the same of all the cries that ever had been selling whiskey is greatest as sin
3: great stories and tells them so well.
2: Yes, I hope we hear more from John in upcoming shows.
3: Of course, no show on Brown County's musical influences would be complete without a story on Bill Monroe. He and his music continue to influence musicians here and all over the world.
2: Did you know that September marks the 100th anniversary of his birth? An entire music genre Bluegrass was named in honor of his band, the Bluegrass Boys.
3: No, I didn't. But I did know that Pam Rader and Janice Pierce recently visited the museum in Bean Blossom and talked to museum host Ken Berkmeyer.
10: (laughs)
15: The genius of Bill Monroe is recognized by his inclusion not only in three bluegrass halls of fame, but also the Country Music Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. During his career, he played at the White House before four different presidents and toured Europe and Japan with his band. Indiana Governors Otis Bowen and Evan By. Each awarded Bill Monroe the highest award an Indiana governor can bestow, the Sagamore of the Wabash. His composition, Blue Moon of Kentucky, released on record in 1947, is recognized in the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress as one of the 50 most memorable recordings of all time. It was also the first song recorded by Elvis Presley. In 1951, Bill purchased the Brown County Jamboree Park at Bean Blossom, Indiana and began to sponsor weekend country music shows and square dances in the Jamboree Barn, which is now torn down. In June of 1967, he held the first weekend bluegrass festival on this site, which he called a Bluegrass Celebration. And the next year, in 1968, he moved the festival to an outdoor stage where it is still held every year in the month of
4: June. I'm Pam Rader. I'm here with Janice Pierce. We're from Brown County Radio Hour, and we're talking
0: to Ken Bergmeier.
16: New employee here. Uh Attendee for years. You need to know the history on the park. Kind of starting off, it goes back to around 1940, when a gentleman named Guy Smith was one of them instrumental in starting to have just shows. And they had music shows off the back of a truck, and it evolved into a tent. And it came about a lot because local grocery store, Herb McDonald and the other businesses in town, would promote these shows on saturday to get people to come to buy groceries to shop in bean blossom in the 40s with atterbury growing and with buses bringing people down to shows from Southside indianapolis and it grew into having more and more country music artists playing
4: and this was a music people kind of enjoyed anyway in this yeah. area
16: right and they started out with a lot of local entertainers there was Three Duckett brothers that were young, young boys that played. Uh, Cox Family was another one that comes to mind, that, and, and other locals. And they also had some vaudeville acts that originated out of Brown County that uh, Roy A. Cuff and uh, Minnie Pearl, Johnny Cash, and many other the Grand Ole Opry friends of Bill Monroe performed here. Mm
13: hmm.
0: So on the news, we heard in June that this is the 45th year and that this is the longest continuous-running bluegrass
8: festival in the world.
16: Yeah, we could walk into another room in the museum and show you pictures of people from basically, as you said, all over the world Mm -hmm. that attend here. And in 1964, Jerry Garcia came here with a dream of becoming a bluegrass boy, But legend has it, he just didn't have quite enough nerve to go up and talk to Bill Monroe. He recorded around locally with Marvin Hedrick. And Hedrick's son still play bluegrass around.
6: Okay. Well, thank you very much. In
16: 1998, Dwight Dillman, a former bluegrass boy who played banjo in 1974, purchased the Bean Blossom Festival site from Bill's son, James Monroe. The annual June Bluegrass Festival, which has now become the oldest continuously running bluegrass festival in the world, was continued as the Bill Monroe Memorial Festival and the Music Park Campground Museum and Hall of Fame were all dedicated to his memory. In 1999, that part of Indiana State Road 135 that runs from Morgantown through Bean Blossom to Nashville was by resolution of the Indiana General Assembly officially designated as the Bill Monroe Memorial
2: Highway. Next week, from August 25th to 27th, the Bill Monroe Music Park and Campground presents the annual Bean Blossom Blues, Brews, and Barbecue Festival. There are more events in September, which you can check out by going to www.beanblossom.us.
3: We will be right back after the short Station ID. Keith, I loved the String Bean String Band, a local band started here in the 70s, which left Brown County for bigger gigs.
2: Yeah, they had a huge following, so it was very exciting when part of their band sat in at our studio recently for a very brief reunion with three members.
3: Let's have a listen. This is Bruce Clegg with
14: WFHB's Brown County Hour. And as our guests, we're fortunate to have three of the original members of the String Bean String Band, Dave Gore, Robbie Bowden, Paul Pell, and we're missing one member. Kenny Aprilla, he lives in California. He's in California, couldn't make it, probably. Couldn't make tonight. it this evening. <laughs> we can understand that. He had to work. Oh, they're
17: working on the road, and he said he <laughs> didn't want
14: to. And uh, you guys are uh, going to pick out some tunes for us, I think, play us a few right. tunes here in the studio, and the uh, first one? Soldier's Joy. It's an old Um, fiddle tune. Paul's going to do the banjo on that one. Sure. Paul, you ready? I'm ready. Let's hammer it out. All
1: right. Let's go.
14: It's really good to see you guys back together again. How long has it been?
17: Uh, pretty long time. Uh, about 14 years since we've actually played together up until this point. And, uh, Robbie and I have been singing together probably since we were in practically grade school. Uh, <laughs> Early high school, yeah. Yeah, we used to get together. There's a, a little bar over here on the corner called the Pine Room, which is not there anymore. It's out in Salt Creek Park, but we used to sneak in there and uh, listened to country music on the jukebox and got a lot of influence from that. and mm-hmm. Probably a little spillover from Bean Blossom and the Bluegrass Boys up there, too.
14: Did it influence your music at
17: all, the concerts? I think a little bit, yeah. We used to, um, we used to go up to the Jamboree, and I went for years. Uh-huh. I'd usually sneak in. Me too. uh, Climb over the fence, (laughs) and and go in and and listen to the bands. When the old barn was up close to the road, we used to go to that. That was a lot of fun. Mm. Uh,
18: Dave's brother Steve used to play bluegrass music with uh, Marvin Hedrick and the Weed Patch Boys.
17: The Weed Patch Boys—they were um, yeah—an old bluegrass band from here in Nashville back in the uh fifties.
14: How about Blue Moon of Kentucky?
19: Yes, let's do that. What a (laughs) great idea.
14: I'd like to thank our guests once again, Dave Gore, Robbie Bowden, Paul Pell. Thanks, guys, for coming in. Thank, thank, you. Well, great
10: thank
15: fun. you. Good you. be pleasure. here.
2: They still sound great after all these years. Of course, poet Gunther Flum would have something to say about music.
19: I think that I shall never see a song as lovely as a tree. But I can tell from what they are, they make a fiddle or a guitar sound so fine or play just right that I will listen day or night to that old hollow chunk of wood because its music sounds so good out on our porches around our fire here in Brown counties, the nights expire. There's music in the croak of frogs and singing in the howl of dogs and songs of love from every thicket, from birds and bees and chirping cricket, while music for a million years has been around to calm the fears of female types of many critters by males, whistles, screams, and twitters that warms the cockles of gal's hearts, among their many other parts. While music has a special power that even if guy's notes are sour, that makes a female sway and swoon to any song a male can croon, as long as he can prove to her his thoughts are noble, true, and pure, that even if he sings off-key, his song of love is just for thee, And so it seems it might sound stupid, but there's money in them songs from Cupid. So there was times when I was young I had me songs that I had sung that Elvis and the Beatles, too, stole from me when I was blue and got my songs upon the air and made themselves a millionaire. For they done made them all that money from songs I sang about my honey. So now I sing me this here song, and how them boys had done me wrong, so that when folks hear my sad tale, that maybe justice will prevail. Because you see where I come from, us country folks, we ain't that dumb. Our judge and jury here will agree, them boys done stole them songs from me. Then we can sing a song of thanks, with all their money, in my town's banks. Compensation for my broken heartstrings.
3: Musical influences and styles continue to be passed from generation to generation here. We have many fine bluegrass bands of all ages playing in the county. Musician Keenan Rainwater gives us his insights into why the music scene in Brown County is so rich.
1: Okay, this is Rick Fettig, and I'm here with the Brown County Hour and WFHB Studios. And uh, we're hosting the Indiana Boys this evening, aren't we? And that's what you guys call yourself.
13: We do most of the time.
1: Mm-hmm. We got uh, Dan Bilger on the base straight from the White Lightning Boys and other
13: uh, parts unknown. And uh, Barry Elkins, Mr. Barry Todd, as we uh, as we affectionately call him. He's playing the mandolin for us tonight. I'm playing it well. I got Dickie Gist over here to my left. Running the soundboard and playing the guitar all at the same time. He's a wonder. And then, uh, myself, I'm Keenan Rainwater, and I'm playing the guitar and singing and once in a while,
1: I'll play the harmonica a little bit. Okay, so are you from Brown County? Oh, I sure am, yeah. All okay. 29 years. Yeah. Um, how do you think living in Brown County has inspired your writing and your musical abilities? Man, that's, that's pretty broad. Like, we think it's pretty broad, but, uh, You know, it's not
13: only inspired me to do music, it's, it's surrounded me with people that do music, you know, in Brown County, there's so much talent and there's so many people that play music. It's, it's fairly easy to get hooked up in the, in the culture of it and and in that circle of folks and. Uh, There's such a good bunch of people, it's hard to get out of it once you're into it, you know,
1: even if you should want to. I don't. But uh, like we were talking earlier, there's a lot of intermixing among the groups. Right. You you just walk in and play, and then uh, you go to somebody's house and play some more, or there's a campfire or something like that. The
13: generations before me to pass it down to us uh, around a campfire and and a fella's garage, you know. We got a a friend of ours. he just had his 80s, 80th birthday. He hosts us out there. And, uh, you know, pass it down what he knows.
11: I'm round the
13: curve, about to scrape my knee,
11: doing all I can, stay out of the trees. And I've been burning up these old country roads, cow Where I'm bound, honey, I don't know. But I go where this engine will take me, and I'll end up where nobody knows. Head as I ride by Gotta pay attention I don't wanna die Keep the shiny side up Wanna have a good time You know I will Drive between lines While I'm burning up These old country roads girl. Where I'm bound, I don't know But I go Where this engine will take me I am where nobody knows. Don't even try, can't follow me down a gear. Gonna be, and I'll watch the sun bit from the sky I ride all day I ride all night And I've been burning up these old country roads Where I'm bound, Honey, I don't know But I've gone where this engine will take me To somewhere your cold winds won't blow As I ended up where nobody knows Disappeat me again, never asking it always basking in my attention, her beauty like a shooting star, visible only for Pink begonia Sitting pretty On a windowsill A summer breeze Warms away the Morning chill Beauty's bleeding Watch it fade away Quickly as Any summer day Anticipating me again Never asking But always basking in my attention Her beauty like a shooting star Visible only for an instant He's pleading, watch it passes by visible now only in the eye.
2: That about does it for music, but we do have time to hear from Brown County poet Vera Grubbs, who is always diligent about everything she does.
3: Eradication. We talked about vacuuming ceilings, walls, corners, check. We talked about straightening up piles that might harbor an undesirable. Check. We talked about using natural, organic, non-chemical methods to work as a deterrent. Check. We talked about totally shaking out the bed linens. Check. You have completed this regimen, so now you can go to bed with complete confidence that there are no spiders in your bedroom. Don't worry, be safe. Check. Well, that's it for this show. Be sure to join us again in October for another fascinating glimpse of life in Brown County. Meanwhile, get out and hear some great Brown County music. Maybe we'll see you there. Your hosts for this episode have been Lee Edgren.
2: And Keith Kelly.
3: Executive producer, Chad Carruthers. Managing producer, Pam Rader. Technical producer and webmaster, Jeff Foster. Technical staff, Scott Nelson, George Clegg, J.T. Robinson, and Rick Fettig. Editing, George Clegg, Janice Pierce, Susan Showalter, and Pam Rader. Correspondents, Susan Showalter, Janice Pierce, Bruce Clegg, Pam Rader, Kaylee Witt, George Clegg, Vera Grubbs, and Rick Fettig. Script writers, Pam Rader, Pete Siebert, and Susan Showalter.
2: And a slap on the back to our friend Slats Klug for our theme music.
3: Our guests, Tamara Lane from Celtica, online at celticaband.com. John Kay, Director of Traditional Arts Indiana, email jkay at indiana.edu. Bill Monroe segment, Ken Burkmeyer of Bill Monroe Bean Blossom Museum, online at beanblossom.us.
2: Other guests were String Bean String Band, Robbie Bowden. Dave Gore, Paul Pell, with Bruce Clegg on Jaw Harp. Indiana Boys, Keenan Rainwater, Dan Bilger, Barry Elkins, Dickie Guest. Drumming music, Kevin Johnson, Dick Ferrer, Tim Arnold, Debbie Arnold, Janine Johnson. You can listen to this episode or any previous one on browncountyhour.com or wfhb.org. Thanks for listening.
0: You've been listening to the Brown County Hour.
2: Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana.
0: Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature
2: that make this such a unique community.
0: Visit us online at browncountyhour.com.
1: The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana.
10: Take me back,
2: back to my home. Brown County home